and welcome to another episode of the Audaciousness Podcast with me, Maribel Ortega. And me, Helen Strong. In this podcast, we showcase individuals who have set themselves bold and audacious goals and have worked to achieve them with the aim of inspiring others to also set themselves audacious goals and to create a positive movement in the world. We'd like to highlight the fact that even regular people like you and me can have audacious goals and that role models are in fact all around us. Each and every one of us can have an impact in some way. Thank you for listening. We're delighted to have you with us. So Maribel, tell us about the guest we're going to hear from today. I'd love to tell you about Mike Patterson, who is an extraordinary man, a man with a lot of knowledge of basically everything. I think he he would uh, agree with that. I met Mike on LinkedIn in a course where you learn how to use LinkedIn for your business. And through that connection, I have learned so much. During our conversation, I learned more. And I think you can agree with that, Helen, right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he certainly knows his stuff. He had a lot of information, so much so that we let the interview go on for a little bit longer than than the normal 30 minutes. So this is actually almost an hour. Um, So we listen to the interview with Mike now and then we'll come back in an hour to talk about what we learned. So here's Mike and we hope you enjoy the interview. So I'm very grateful, Mike, that that you decided to uh, to be here today and have a conversation with us. I'm really looking forward to that. I have appreciated in the last uh, couple of weeks to to get to know you and see your and, and hear your interesting point of view of things. We have today with us Mike Patterson. Mike, would you care to please tell us what it is that you do and what are some of the things that you have done that are audacious? What is it that I do? I work with businesses making more than $500,000 a year, and I help them scale, basically. I just, most businesses don't seem to know what they're doing. So I help them put different revenue-generating structures in place that basically makes them recession or economy proof it doesn't matter what the economy does they've got so much money coming in from so many different avenues that they don't really care so i would say that's what i do but when you say audacious i've got really what would i say conservative in my (laughs) in my later years compared to how i was as a kid kids have no fear up until the age of about 23, nobody's going to die. We are immortal. They use helicopter pilots for various things, because these guys are absolutely crazy. But they start getting a little bit of sense after the age of 23. So I, I did a lot of stuff that I maybe I just didn't think. I'm not quite sure if they're audacious or not. We just didn't think about stuff because we're going to live forever. 
You mean that's the expectation or or what we think in in our youth. And 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 what about later uh, after 23? What are the things? I mean, we don't need to call it audacious. We just need we we could call it in a different way. What have you done that is aligned with your values and, and the things that are important to you that allow you to be whole, to present yourself and, and just live an aligned life? I tend to, I would say, look at things from a different point of view than most people. Most people are very surface, they accept what they're told. I don't watch uh, TV, don't read newspapers, don't listen to radio, I haven't done for 20-odd years. But whenever something comes up, I do do research on it. And I'm pretty good at research. Not quite sure what to do with all the data I get afterwards, but I'm pretty good at research anyway. So I, I love learning new stuff. I've studied all sorts of stuff. I've studied water. I've studied food. I've... A, a lot of different subjects people don't even think about that we just accept because our system teaches us that we should conform. And I don't believe in conforming. Never have. Even as a kid, everybody did something. I do something different, you know? That That's exactly what what I'm trying to to. to find out then let's call it non-conforming how do you do that yes how do i do that yes what have you done that is not following the rules i don't know the about the only you know there's a difference between laws and rules yes no tell me from your opinion what what, what okay laws are immutable laws like gravity mm. if i live in say the amazon forest never seen a white man never heard of gravity if i climb up to the top of a tree and i jump will i fly probably not probably not okay <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely not definitely definitely not right yeah yeah because the law it's a law of gravity mm. right there's lots of different laws rules can be bent or broken laws cannot so i obey laws but rules they're i believe put in place to control and i don't believe we should be controlled i don't believe we are here to conform i believe we're put on this earth to be the best we can be and most people settle for being a lot less than they could be because they settle. They settle for, remember we talked about this theory I have called default theory. Mm -hmm. uh, that's your cue to say something, Maribel. <laughs> can you tell, yes, I remember. Can, can you tell our <laughs> listeners what that is, Mike? Thank you. <laughs> This is being a monologue, okay? Um, I've come up with this theory. I call it default theory. Let me explain. I've spent 
20 odd years studying three to four hours a day, that adds up to somewhere in the region of 14 to 15,000 hours of study, over 10,000 hours of audiobooks. I've flown around the world, I've walked on fire, I've broken, I don't know if I showed you this before, where is it? Broken arrows with my throat. So this is a target arrow. Uh-huh. Friend of mine did it here. You put it in your throat, lean forward against something immutable, and it breaks. Are you for real? Oh my goodness! Right? Wow! It's it's it's, it's, it's easy. Come on. Years ago, I took my kids when they were sixteen. I took them to the Excel Center London with Anthony Robbins, and they walked on fire. And when I congratulated Anna, my one of my twins. I said, congratulations, walking off. I said, yeah, what's the big deal? It's simple. All you got to do is set your mind. So if walking on fire is easy, what else is easy? But anyway, default settings. Everything we want is up here. Everybody wants to be happy, healthy, wealthy, have good relationships. But we never actually state what up here is. Right? I don't believe... I don't believe I don't believe there may be, but I don't believe there is. People who get up in the morning and say, you know what? I want to have a really bad relationship with my partner. I want to be sick. Uh, I want to be poor. And I want to be really terrible at what I do at work. Uh, no. I, no. Probably not. Right? <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. I don't know. There's some very strange people out there, so you never know. <laughs> <laughs> but because we never actually define what up here is, we end up being average or mediocre. If you don't set it as a goal to have a really good relationship with your family, with your partner, and define what that looks like, you end up having an average or mediocre relationship. Mm-hmm. If you don't set it as a goal to be really good at what you do, you'll end up being average or mediocre. Most people do not have a health plan. So absence of a health plan means by default, they have a sickness plan. They are planning to be sick because they're not planning to be healthy. Lots of people watch their weight. Who cares? Your weight's not important. Nobody gives a toss. It's totally immaterial. What matters is your fat percentage. I read somewhere years ago that we're allowed a certain percentage of fat. One kg above that maximum percentage can cut between three months and three years off your life. Who cares about weight? You could be the exact perfect weight and 50% fat. Okay, that's not good. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So it's weight. People go, I went to the gym for 14 years, right? And I would work out back-to-back exercises. I would cycle for 45 minutes, and I would burn six, 700 calories. I would go and do body balance, which was a mixture of Tai Chi, yoga, and Pilates. And at 60 years of age, I got a certificate, and I was teaching body balance at 60. Wow. Right. (laughs) And then I would go and do 
abs for 30 minutes, but I do two back to back and I do them one after the other. 45 minutes, 15 minutes get changed, 15 minutes, sorry, 45 minutes body balance, 15 minutes change, then an hour straight on abs. So that's your health plan. Oh, it wasn't a health plan. That was, so you've got to know your fat percentage. For every 25K, you need to drink one liter of water. And the structure of the water matters, right? Mm -hmm. The chemical composition of the water is H2O. That never changes. But nobody in the world can explain water. It's the only element that exists as a liquid, a solid, and a gas. Nothing else does that, naturally. Water is the only element that when you freeze it, it gets bigger. Everything else in the world gets smaller. It also gets lighter. Everything else in the world gets heavier. Nobody knows why. But in 1995, Masaru Emoto, Japanese scientist, started taking samples of water from all over Japan and flash froze them at cryo minus 25. He took them out of cryo, still at a freezer environment, minus five, put them under a microscope. Depending on what words were written on the container, depends on what crystals you got. Peace, love, harmony, joy, Mother Teresa, beautiful, symmetrical crystals. I hate you, you fool. I will kill you. Hitler actually destroys the structure of the water. He played music to the water. Mozart, Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, beautiful, symmetrical crystals. Heavy metal destroyed the structure of the water. Water has memory. It communicates everything as energy. He had people around a table directing thoughts at water. The structure of the water changed. In another room, a jug of water there, the structure, and that water changed as well. Jules University did a, an experiment a couple, few years ago. Astronauts up by the moon they said, think specific thoughts. They picked up those thoughts here on Earth, 250,000 miles away. Don't ask me how, okay? All I know is what they did. Don't ask me how they do stuff. All I do is read the research. So what we know is that our thoughts travel a minimum of 250,000 miles and affect everybody at a cellular level. What you read, what you think, what you say, affects you at a cellular level. We're about 70% water. So water is one of the most important things we can do. I saw a video a little while ago on school kids in a school, and they had two plants. And one was go praise the plant. Oh, you're beautiful. You're so lovely. You're gorgeous. Wow, this thing's growing crazy. On the other one, a couple of meters away, you're ugly, you're useless, you know what? <clears throat> right? It was dying. We just don't think about what we say, what we think, what we do. So back to default settings. David Bach in his book, The Automatic Millionaire, says there are six states people end up in by the time they retire. There's dead broke. He said, dead broke's really easy. Spend everything you make, get into debt. When you retire, you'll be dead broke. Okay, that's a lot of people nowadays. You can be poor or penniless. He says, that's also very easy. 
spend everything you make. Don't get into debt. Money comes in, money goes out, right? And when you mm -hmm. retire, you'll be dead broke. You can have enough money to get by. Uh, getting by means you don't need assistance, but your idea of fun is walking the dog, your poodle around the block, okay? If that's your idea of fun when you retire, then you need to save and invest between 1% and 5% of everything that comes in. You can be rich, meaningless term, because it's got to be aligned with something else. But for the purpose of this conversation, rich, you need to save and invest 5 to 10% of everything that comes in. You can be wealthy, save and invest 10 to 20% of everything that comes in. And you can be super wealthy, save and invest 20 to 30%. Because most people do not have a wealth plan, by default, they are planning to be poor. As they say, failing to plan is planning to fail. And because of inflation, every day you keep money in the bank, you're losing money. Did we discuss, did I ask you what inflation was before? You, you haven't, but you can ask me now. <laughs> Okay, what's inflation, Mary Bell? <laughs> oh man, Mike! No, I'm I'm doing an MBA. You said I could and... ask you. I'm asking you. Come on. <laughs> um, I kind of like understand inflation, but I'm I'm open to hearing how you explain it. <laughs> Let me hear your explanation first. Okay. Inflation is. This is embarrassing, Mike. So it's the percentage each year that money, money loses its value. Yeah, loses its purchasing power. But most people think its price is rising. It isn't. Every time the government prints more money, the money you have becomes worth less. And eventually it will become totally worthless. So something called the law of 72, just a very quick calculation to see how things take to double or half, right? You know, I'm a numbers guy, okay? So if, you're, yeah. if, you, if you've got money in a bank and you're getting 2% interest per year, two is in 72, 36, your money will double in 36 years. Mm -hmm. If inflation is running steady at 4%, your cost of living will double every 18 years. So let's say you put 100K in a bank today. In 36 years, you've got 200K, a 2% interest. And if inflation is running at 4% per annum, your purchasing power after 36 years will be 50K. Half of what you put in 36 years earlier. Every single day you have money in the bank, you're losing money because of inflation, right? Yeah. You buy a house. The bank tells you it's an asset. You're right. It's an asset. It's just not your asset. It's their asset. <laughs> Because if you stop paying, they take your property. Thomas Stanley and William Danko, uh, American professors, spent 20 years studying millionaires, 11,000 millionaires over 20 years. Each millionaire filled in a 250 questions. That is 2,750,000 questions were analyzed over a 20-year period. And they came up with 
calculations to see how well you're doing financially. So to be what they called an average accumulator of wealth, you take your age, multiply it by your yearly income, and divide by 10. So let's say, I don't think it's going to work until someone's around 40s, but let's just say someone's 40 years of age, they make 100K a year, so 40 by 100 is 4 million. Divide by 10, they should have 400,000 saved, invested, put away. To be a low accumulator of wealth, it's half of that. So they would have 200K or less. And to be a super accumulator of wealth, they would have double that, which was 800K. So they came up with formulas to see how well you're doing financially. Oh, by the way, I spent a couple of years studying wealth as well. I can see that. <laughs> Obviously, right? And I listened to audiobooks and attended seminars and read all sorts of stuff. But everything I do, I can put on one page. So most people don't have a health plan, so they have a sick plan. Mm -hmm. And health insurance, by the way, is betting that you are going to be so sick, you will not be able to afford the payments. So, so what you're saying is that all these things we do is just conforming to rules because we don't know any better? Well, in 1902, there was a conversation between my two favorite guys, Andrew Carnegie, John D. Rockefeller. And what Rockefeller, uh, sorry, what Carnegie said was if we are to maintain our elite status in the world, we need to start educating the population. In 1903, sorry, Carnegie will look after external students, Rockefeller internal students. 1903, Rockefeller instigated the GEB, General Education Board. You can Google it if you like. What he wrote when he formed the GEB, and this is word perfect, by the way. He said, I do not want a nation of thinkers. I want a nation of workers. Two things were taken out of the education system in 1903 and made it what I call the scholastic system. Scholastic system now doesn't work. What they teach us, go to school, study hard, get a great leave school, get a job, work hard, save money, you'll be successful. By government statistics, 98%, 96% failure rate. 118 years, 96% failure rate. The two things they took out of the education system, one was goal setting, knowing what you want in life. And the second was financial education. Schools are not allowed to teach financial education. Not they can't teach, they're just not allowed to. So Yeah, and goal setting, that, that's the, I'm surprised uh, of that, but, but indeed that's something super important. Yeah, but school doesn't teach us how to think teaches us to memorize answers, to pass exams. Correct. And they've done lots of tests, right? They've taken students who pass the exams, whatever, top 90%, whatever, mm -hmm. gave them the same exam 30 days later, they all failed because the answers <laughs> go into short-term memory. Yes. Pre-five-year-olds, pre 98%, very high self-esteem, 98%, very creative. 20 years later, coming out of high school, 98% very low self-esteem, 
98% non-creative. All the statistics are out there. People just not looking. We are taught there's 197 countries in the world or something. Like 190 of them are in Dubai. Okay? I talk to a lot of people. I talk to a lot more people now than I used to because online. And everybody I talk to agrees about the education system. I ask people, okay, what do you use today that you learned at school? Oh, 20%, 30%, 50%, 6 Okay, such as uh, maths. Okay, what's 319s? What's 25 25s? Uh, calculator. Okay, good. Didn't teach you how to do maths. It taught you how to use a calculator. Next. We have our values by the time we're four. We know how to interact socially by the age of seven. Million words of the English language. The average person gets by on 4,000, and that's dropping. The average person reads at the grade seven level, 12 years of age. So if ever you write something and your nephew at 12 doesn't understand it, go back to the drawing board because most people aren't going to. And that includes university graduates. 2016, Harvard Brain Institute did a study on attention spans. 2016, the average human had an attention span of 12 seconds. 2019, they did it again, eight seconds. A goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds. Are you making comparisons that, here? I'm, we are. I am. <laughs> yes, because you've got to compare it because otherwise it's meaningless. So now the average person has a, an attention span less than a goldfish. Okay. Mm. Personally, I find that frightening. Indeed. It is, right? But that's Absolutely. the world we live in. Right? Helen, ask this guy a question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm enthralled listening to this. <laughs> um, Mike, I want to say that um, yeah, I what you're saying completely resonates with me because I've also been doing a, quite a bit of research in the past two years as the world has been changing, and I've found out myself I didn't know the difference between laws and rules before. What you were saying about water, um, I'm familiar with the the work of the Japanese scientist that you were talking about. I can't remember his Masaru name. Moto. Yeah, yeah. And I've, when I watched, when I watched them, the documentary that was written about water, I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. I hadn't even thought about that, you know, that, that water needs to retain, it has its memory and it needs to retain uh, everything in that you're, we're putting that in our body, but putting water through straight metal pipes to come into our house is actually removing all of the goodness of the water. So what we're feeding physically ourselves um, is not good. But also what you're saying about what we're feeding ourselves um, spiritually, I think you said, you know, the fact that thoughts can travel 250,000 miles, um, that we're all consciousness around ourselves. And what we're putting into our body in terms of the education system, or rather what the education system has taken out um, of it, particularly the financial education, definitely, and, and the goal setting. And what we are trying to do here in this Audaciousness podcast is to, I guess, address some of those issues where people have been conditioned to believe that this is the way you know to to have been put in these boxes this is Mm -hmm. the way you live these are the rules you follow and we're trying to get people to think outside um, of that but a lot of it is and we've had conversations like this with guests before 
peeling back the layers of conditioning that have been placed upon us through the education and obviously through the elite saying that we were. Uh, have... It's not the education, it's the scholastic system. Stop calling it the education system. It's okay. not. It is not the education system. It's not there to educate you. The purpose of the scholastic system is to produce employees. And on that, it's got okay. a 99% success rate. So you're it's calling it scho scholastic system. Okay, I haven't heard scholastic. that. Okay, okay. That's an interesting way. Yeah, because I, I just called it education because that's all I know it, know it as. But yeah, you're right. I don't think it is education at all. No, it um, isn't. Yeah. It never has been. Well, yeah. not for the last 118 years anyway. So what is your advice to um, people who want to break out of these this straight jacket that we've been um, kind of placed into in our society? How do we do that against such a powerful, such powerful forces? Uh, question everything. Just the second thing I was going to talk about was, I'll say second thing, whatever. We are told there's a pie, right? There's a pie is this big. And your slice of the pie is this much. And if you want more, you're being greedy, you're taking from somebody else. I challenge you, go to a busy street on the weekend, go to a shopping mall, whatever, grab a coffee, sit down, and find me two people wearing exactly the same thing. Even in the Middle East, where you know the men wear candoras and the, the ladies wear abayas, you will not find two people wearing exactly the same thing. You won't find the same shoes. You won't find the same haircut. You won't find the same beard, mustache. You won't find. So if there wasn't enough, we'd all be wearing the same gray smock. And we're not. So we're not taught to think about it. We're taught we are conditioned to conform and accept what we've been told to do. We haven't been taught to think. Exactly. So if that has been imposed on us, how do we get out of that? It's not just imposed, okay? Just sidetrack a little bit here. It, it'll, I'll, pull, I'll pull things together mm -hmm. later, okay? Right? You know what fluoride is? Mm -hmm. Okay, tell me. What's fluoride? It's something, <laughs> it, well, it's a poison that they put into the water. Right. In, I think it was the 40s, what they found is where fluoride naturally occurs in the water, there were less dental problems. Fluoride itself, where it doesn't naturally occur, is a byproduct of aluminum smelting and fertilizer production. And you're right, it's a poison. Prior to this discovery, manufacturers were paying to have this poison disposed of. When this news came out, they started selling this to the governments to put in the water. And it does a number of things. One, causes cancer, causes brain tumors, and reduces IQ. So there's something somewhere, the great dumbing down, so for like 70-odd years, or 60, whatever it was, they've been intentionally dumbing people down. The, the whole system does not want people capable of critical thinking. What they want are people 
I was going to say bright or, or intelligent, that's not the word, capable of holding down a job, but not bright enough to ask what the heck's going on. Mm-hmm. They don't want people questioning what's going on. They want, as was it George Carlin said, obedient robots. That's it. You know, only 2% of people are capable of working without supervision. On average, only 2% of the world are capable of working without supervision, which is why a lot of people who start businesses implode because they can't work on their own. And they may be really successful in corporate, but what works in entrepreneurship is the exact opposite of what works in corporate. It's the exact opposite. Whatever works in corporate, forget it. It's taught you nothing. So how do we how do we get round it? We gotta get people to start thinking. And I think it was either Ford or Edison said thinking's the hardest work in the world, and most people would rather die than think. Right? Yeah. So yeah. how do we get people to start thinking where they've been conditioned? Not to think? I have no idea. <laughs> it's the million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, I, I started working when I was 10. At around 50, 20 odd, years, uh, 20 odd years ago, I suddenly realized that in Qatar, I used to work 18-hour days, six days a week, 108-hour weeks. Wow. Right? I did that for 10 months solid. In the military, I did... A 99-hour stint with three hours sleep. (laughs) I slept for 16 hours, and I did another 99 hours with three hours sleep. People tell me they work hard. It was 60, 70. I said, well, when it's above 100, come and talk to me. Because prior to that, I'm not really interested. So we just not taught to plan. We're not taught to think. We're not taught to plan ahead. You have kids, teach them how to set goals. And goals have to be... Five things. New Year's resolutions aren't resolutions, just a wish list. Goals should be written down, personal, I, and then, so I, Maribel, I, Mike, whatever. Present, have, wear, own, drive, live, whatever. Positive, I'm not sure how to say this without using a negative. So the brain doesn't understand a negative. It doesn't register a negative. So you're going shopping, look in the fridge, need eggs. What do we say? Don't forget eggs. Okay, forget eggs. Go out, buy everything, come back, no eggs. What's wrong with my brain? Nothing wrong with your brain. Because the word don't is not registered. What the brain hears is forget eggs. And you go, okay, forget eggs. Remember to bring eggs. (laughs) Remember to get eggs, right? But it's the same. You, you, You tell your nephew, your kids, you know, take this from here to there. Be careful, it's fragile, don't drop it. And they go and drop it. Why do you give them a hard time? You told them to drop it. You put it in their minds. Yes, you put it in the minds. They, yeah. they should drop it, right? They're just obeying your instructions. Now you go crazy and start giving them a hard time. Right? The phraseology, the words that we use are really important. And we don't think about it. We don't question stuff. We see things on the news. Everybody says this. Okay, I really don't give a toss. Let me see what, <laughs> where I can find out what the heck's going on. Mm. So I'll go and do research. 
So what right. I'm understanding, Mike, is the critical thinking is like the, the most important issue. And then, so specifically what we could do if we are helping young younger people or young adults become adults is to teach them to think and question things and not just say, oh, I... I I saw it on social media or I read that and uh, it must be true. Well, but, but you've got people who are committing suicide because people unfriended them on Facebook. There is something seriously wrong with the society. There's something seriously wrong somewhere with, with the way we're doing things and what we're accepting. So question everything. And even you, you know the story of the... The seven monkeys <clears throat> in a room with the ladder and no, bananas. Oh, I have no? heard of this one. Bef- you know, Bef- I, ha- I think I have heard of this one where they, they trained the monkeys to, to go up the ladder to, to get the reward. Is that not the one? Okay. No. They put se- Researchers put seven monkeys in a room. In the middle of the room was a ladder. At the top of the ladder was a bunch of bananas. So monkeys, bananas little bit of synergy here. Monkeys start climbing the ladder. As soon as any monkey starts climbing the ladder, all the monkeys are sprayed with ice-cold water. All of them, not just the one who's climbing. So eventually, none of the monkeys will climb the ladder. So what they do, they take out a monkey, bring in a new one. New one sees the ladder, sees the bananas, starts climbing. All the other monkeys mob it. Every time it starts to climb the ladder, all the six old monkeys mob it. So eventually this monkey stops wanting to climb. They take another monkey out, replace him with a new one. New monkey, ladder, banana, starts climbing. All the other monkeys, including the one that's never been sprayed with cold water, mob it to stop it climbing. Eventually this one stops climbing. They take another one out. So the process is repeated. So after a certain period of time... You now have seven monkeys in a room, none of which have been sprayed with ice-cold water, but also none of which will climb the ladder. So it's a story that this is how processes in businesses, processes and policies, are made and conformed. At some time, there was a reason for doing things, but now because of advancing technology, the way we do things, all sorts of stuff, we should be saying, why are we doing this? Is this the best way to do it? Is there a better way? But we don't think about it. We don't challenge. Mm. We don't like to be, well, what if I'm wrong? Wrong question, guys. What if you're right? You know, acid and alkaline, by the way. Acid, alkaline? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> people say yes. I come on. The I level of acidity is you, it can go from one to nine, and if it's uh, basic oh. or alkaline, then it's a nine. And acid is one, and it has lots of okay. H, maybe maybe hydrogen. in Portugal or Germany or wherever. <laughs> but Are you saying it scale- was wrong? <laughs> You're not wrong. You just you just not right. I think it was fourteen, is it, and seven? Correct. Yes. 
Zero, zero to 14, acid alkaline. <laughs> Oh, true. Zero, yeah. zero to seven is acidic. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Our bodies are 7.365, a little bit alkaline. If you keep your body alkaline, you don't get sick. Last time I was sick overnight in hospital was 1955. I don't do sick, okay? Right? You just One, refuse. It's, it's, it, it is so critical. One pH up or down, you're dead. So seven to six, it's 10 times more acidic. Six to five, 100. Uh, five to four is 1,000, whatever, right? Coffee is five. So a cup of coffee is 100 times more acidic in your body. So for every cup of coffee, you need 17 cups of water to undo the damage it does your body. Soft drinks are 2.3, which is 100,000 times more acidic wow. than your body. Vinegar is four, which means it's, what, a thousand times or whatever. Sports drinks are 3.9. So sports drinks are worse for your body than... Coffee. <laughs> no, no, than vinegar, right? Oh, my goodness. Just plain water and, uh, is better. <laughs> things like uh, marijuana, cocaine are banned. White sugar is six times more addictive than cocaine. Why is it not banned? It's everywhere in the uh, food industry. It, it is. Added. And as aspartame is worse for you. So your diet drinks, because of the aspartame in it, it's more dangerous for you than the normal drinks. Aspartame is 200 times more sweet than sugar. And if you drink or if you have too much aspartame, you will start showing the symptoms of MS, multiple sclerosis. So you could go to the doctor. He could examine you, tell you you've got MS, but all you really need to do is cut out your soft drinks. Right? Wow. There's all sorts of stuff out there that mm. people don't look at. I'm not even going to uh, ask you about electromagnetic frequency. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> okay, let's not go there. But, every, but you every, could. Every, everything is energy and everything is yes, connected. Yes, exactly, exactly. But I think you're right about you know the the energy and keeping yourself healthy. Yeah, because that's a, that's a big part. You know, we're talking about trying to reach audacious goals and do audacious things that the, the audacious things that the world needs. And if you're not taking care of your body and your mind, um, then there's no way that you can. Well, what you yeah. said before, the uh, reach your potential. We all have the ability to reach our potential, but we're dumbed down and we're kept in, in this place, you know, that we have to follow the rules and we're conditioned to do this, that and the other, that we, that we don't reach our potential. We don't even strive to get there. Well, we never even say what our potential is. We, True. We don't yeah. know. Do you know the number, what percentage of people will try something new before they quit? I don't know. Has there been a study done on this? Of course they have. <laughs> and of course Mike knows. <laughs> okay, it's lesson one. Wow. Who quit before they start. Correct. Because oh. we tend... Right, go back to acid alkaline. Sorry, I forgot. If your body's acidic, 75% your thinking is negative. Oh, really? Okay, right. Oh. Right? That's why I was trying to tie that in. Yeah. Right? Because we try, we seem to think negatively by default we'll have a good idea 
then we'll think of all the reasons why it won't work. Mm. So consequently, we won't even start. And we try stuff. And it's, what is it? Yoda from Star Wars? There's no try, there's only do. When you try stuff, your mindset is, I don't think this is going to work, so I'm not going to give it 100%. Mm. So I can have a go at it a couple of times and then I can quit. That's a good piece of advice as well. Remove the word try from your vocabulary. Just yeah, do it. Don't try to do it. Do it. Right. There's a couple of words. One is failure. You have a plan. You carry it out. You don't get the results you expected. You get feedback. It's not failure. But yeah. school teaches us that it's wrong to fail. And people come out of school so afraid of failing, they won't even try. So... You have a plan, you carry it out. You don't get the results you expected, you get feedback. Either your plan was wrong or the way you carried it out was wrong. Just change it. Mm. And eventually, you know, oh, Edison, how many experiments for the light bulb? Yeah, they say a 1,000 or 999 and or something like that, was it? And then he uh, finally no. got it. Next. 100,000. Very Bell. <laughs> I don't know. From your face, I thought, okay, Helen, that was wrong. <laughs> a million? I don't know. 500,000? Is it possible? More. Okay. After six, sorry, after 5,000 experiments, he's interviewed by newspaper and reporters who say, look, Mr. Edison. It wasn't Edison. He had a team of people, okay? So he had a team. It wasn't him doing all the experiments. You failed 5,000 times to find the answer to the incandescent light bulb. Worlds lit by gas lamps and candles. Why don't you quit? He said, I haven't failed. I've successfully found 5,000 ways the light bulb does not work. He and his team went on to find another 6,000 ways the light bulb did not work. After 11,000 experiments... He lit up a whole city block, 100 bulbs for eight hours. Interviewed again, he said, I had to succeed. I was running out of finding ways it did not work. Mm. <laughs> right? So you do something. You don't get the results you expected. Great. I've just found another way that doesn't work. But the challenge is... Humans don't learn. We keep doing the same thing, mm. right? Chinese definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Ain't going to happen, guys. It's like I run at the wall, okay? So I want to get out the door, but I'm not at the door. I'm running at the wall. Sorry, I'm walking to the wall. So, well, that didn't work. Let me walk a little bit faster. No, that didn't work. So let me run at the wall. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere, guys, you're never going to get through the wall, okay? Unless you're driving a tank. Stop and running at the wall. You know, just change a little bit. What What and are the look, other... Oh, sorry. No, carry on. No, I, I was just wondering, because you said five words, and the first one is failing. Uh, okay, no, so, I, a couple of words. Failure, the no such thing as failure is just feedback. Problems. The Chinese say everybody has 64 problems. As you get rid of one, along comes another one. Challenge is, don't get 65. The only people, I often ask people, do you wish I had less problems or no problems? Say, yeah, well, there's a place not 
not far from where I live, and there's people there who stay who don't have any problems. Would you like to stay there? And some people say yes, and some people actually ask me, where is it? I said, well, it, I it's, a it's a cemetery. It's a cemetery. <laughs> right? The only people who don't have problems is, well, they're dead. Okay? <laughs> That's it. Jim Rohn used to say, don't ask for less problems. Wish, you know, w- wish for less, uh, sorry, wish for more solutions. So when you say problem, the mind goes, oh, really, another one? I've got enough. So look at them as challenges. So the mindset is different. A problem is how can we get away from it? A problem is, uh, sorry, challenge is how can we overcome it? So your mindset's really different. The other thing is I'm not particularly religious, so I don't want to go into a religious thing. Let's say assuming there's a higher power. The higher power doesn't care if you're rich or poor, happy, sad, whatever. The higher power is interested in your character. Your character is built under pressure. So challenges are sent to us to help us to grow. Brian Tracy says problems come not to obstruct, but to instruct. When we have a goal, something we want to achieve, the world is going to do two things. One, it's going to check to see if we're serious. So they're going to put an obstacle in the way. And if you quit, the world says, Maribel wasn't serious. She was just playing around. Mm. It's okay. So Maribel's not serious. So, but Mary Bell's a little bit serious, so she will go over it, under it, round it, through it, whatever it takes. And on the way, she will learn a lesson. She will gain knowledge that she needs to know to move on to the next step. And the world goes, hmm, Mary Bell's a little bit serious. And a little while later, they say, Let's check. Let's see. Let's check how Mary Bell's doing. Let's give her another problem, challenge, obstacle. And Mary Bell's still focused on the goal, and she will go over it, round it, under it, through it, whatever it takes, and learn the lesson on the way because there is the knowledge she needs to move forward. And the world's just checking, guys. It's not trying to screw you, it's not trying to trip you up. There's something in there you need to learn to be able to move forward. If you don't learn it on the first time round, it will come back bigger. And if you don't learn it, every time you don't learn the lesson, it comes back bigger. Okay? The world's saying, you need to learn this. Okay? You ain't learning? We're going to keep giving you this until you Mm. learn. You know, people keep burying their head into the sand. You know, not me, not my fault. Does that make sense? It it does. And you, I mean, you said you, you're not religious, but that sounds like a very spiritual way, I would say, of looking at the world. I've been told I'm spiritual. The first person who said it said, I'm not religious. He said, I didn't say religious. I said spiritual. I went, okay. I suppose there's a difference. Hmm. Helen, do you have any other question or shall we move on to? The I, I think, I one? mean, we could go on for hours. We but, could, uh, yes. <laughs> but I think we should move on. 
All right. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you the, the final question that we ask to all of our um, of our guests here on the, on the show. You know, the word audaciousness, which is the name of our podcast, the audacious part relates to, to having the audacity to come up with a goal in the first place. And the word ness is used to describe a spit of land, which is which just juts out into the sea. So it's kind of like solid ground surrounded by constant tumultuous motion of water. Uh, so for us, audaciousness means having a solid grounding on which to practice your audacity. So the question is, while you are pursuing all your goals, living your life and becoming your, your potential, where do you get the solid grounding to continue while everything else is in motion? How do you stay grounded in your vision despite what everything life throws at you? So the foundation is values. The foundation of everything is your values. I grew up with my parents' values, you know, 70 odd years ago. They, we learn our values by the time before. So my values, I would say, integrity, doing the right thing in an honorable way. That's what I believe in. Respect, treat everybody with respect. Be honest and upfront. Uh, knowledgeable and helpfulness. So whatever I do, I'm always trying to help people. So these are the foundations. And I know what I'm in the process of achieving. I almost said trying there. Or I'm in the process of achieving on what I want and why I want it. Mm. I have a certain amount of knowledge that if I don't share it in the not too distant future, it's going to be lost. I read a book a little while ago. Actually, I didn't get past the first page. But the, the first page has three numbers. First number was 168. 168 is the number of hours in a week. Second number was 480. It's the number of minutes in an eight-hour day. And the third number was 960. It's the approximate number of months you're going to live. It probably needs to be extended a little bit. But I counted up the number of months I'd already lived and looked, took it away from 960. I went, oh, my God. If I'm going to live to about 80 years of age, which I'm not, let's just say 80 years of age, I've got seven Christmases left, seven Easter's, seven birthdays. That's it. I've got seven more marches, and I'm done. It really puts things into perspective. So there's a number of things I want to accomplish before I shuffle off this mortal coil. So I love what I do. I love helping people. Maybe it's showing off that I know lots of stuff. I don't know, right? <laughs> I just, whatever. I'm on a goal to help 100,000 people change their lives. Last time I counted, I was about 50,000. But it's more. I know it's more than that because I've had people come up to, to me and say, oh, that stuff you shared with me, I shared with my family and mm -hmm. my relatives and whatever. So I have no idea how to keep count. But that was my goal. I want to positively impact at least 100,000 people. I think you've impacted two people here, Mike. 
And that is a very audacious goal, I have to say. So, yeah, I've just thoroughly enjoyed listening to you. I could listen to you for hours. <laughs> yes. And, I, and it's when you help others and impact others is exponential because some people will be listening to our conversation in the podcast and and they will learn from that and others, they will tell others. So you will never know. It It's not going to be 100 people. It's going to be more. <laughs> Right, but learning the thing people need to do is take action. A lot of people focus on activities. Say they want to promote the business. They say, okay, I'm going to phone 10 people a day, send 10 emails, meet 10, whatever. Uh, what's the result you want to get? You measure the activities, but you focus on the results. I want to get one new person to my business this week. Okay, good. Do whatever's necessary to get one new person into your business. Measure what it takes and then see what works and what didn't work. But don't focus on activities. Focus on the result you want to get. I was sort of working with a couple of guys from life insurance, and they have people to make their cold calls. And they, I said, okay, you ask them to make 15 calls a day, 20, whatever. They said, yes. Okay. Waste of time, money, effort. And they said, why? What's the result you want to get? Well, the result is three meetings a day, five days a week. I said, okay. So tell them, I want three meetings a day, five days a week. If you do it in 15 calls or 1,500, I don't care. But all they're doing is wasting money. Did you make your 20 calls today? Yes. Did we get any meetings? No. Okay, good. Now, what's the point? You might as well just take the money, flush it down the toilet. Yeah. Focus on results, not on uh, measure the activities, but say, this is what I want to achieve and do whatever is necessary to achieve it. Good point. Very good piece of advice there, Mike. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you so much for having agreed to have this conversation with us, Mike. It was my pleasure. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So Maribel, this guy certainly likes his facts and figures, doesn't he? And also um, our, our knowledge of the mundane was being tested in that conversation, <laughs> I think. Um, there was a lot of data in the conversation and I had to listen to it a couple of times again to make mm. sure I'd understood a, a lot of what he said. Um, so how about you, Maribel? What did you take from the conversation with Mike? If I would summarize it in a couple of words, then I would say skepticism is good. Not taking things for what they seem to be, but embrace questioning, embrace the seek of knowledge and understand what's going behind the curtains, what's going behind the scenes so that you can make up your mind and not just accept things for what you think they are, which is, you know, we would 
even be starting then if we go into that into a conversation of philosophy what what is truth uh is the truth what what it seems to be or is it is it something else what what do you think about that particular aspect Ken? we've titled this episode question everything because i think that's the main point that uh that, that mike was saying and just when you said they you know questioning what's going on behind the curtains it reminds me of that, what I think is a very powerful scene from The Wizard of Oz, mm -hmm. where at the very end, Toto pulls back the curtain, Toto the dog pulls back the curtain and says that the world and the whole kingdom of Oz is controlled by just a man on a computer <laughs> frantically. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know the scene? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes. And so I think that is very much... In, in my mind, because as I mentioned in the interview with, with Mike, I've been pulling back the curtains a lot and questioning mm. um, a lot of what's going on just in the past couple of years and realizing that all the world's a stage and we are merely, merely players and that we mm. are just playing the roles that we have been assigned or, you know, sometimes we've assigned them our, ourselves as well. You know, these these boxes that we put ourselves into that society has, has kind of shoehorned us into and we've accepted that this is this is who we are and this is how the world works that society has done it the school system has done it by design you know it's been um, designed to as Mike says to to keep us dumb and you know the difference between laws and rules as well that we're, we're told we can do this and we can't do that that was that was all kind of new for me as well yeah. and so I think you know what we're trying to do and I mentioned this also when we were talking to Mike what we're trying to do in this podcast is to let people know that they can step into their audacity step into their audaciousness and don't let other, other people tell you what to do or what to think you know, think, think, for example, in abundance, think that there's enough of everything rather than thinking there's a limited pie. And if you take one piece of the pie, it's to the detriment of, of somebody else. Mm. Um, you know, there was just so much in terms of questioning things. Yeah. And I think there was one thing that he meant that he mentioned about why businesses fail. One of the reasons that businesses fail is because we don't question things. We just do as things have been done before, you know, the mm. example about the seven monkeys climbing the ladder and all the monkeys <laughs> are climbing and nobody knows why, or no, nobody's climbing, but nobody knows why. And, I, and I'm just thinking it's about, great, yeah. you know, the, the entrepreneurs that we've spoken to in this podcast, and I'm thinking particularly of Andrea Houston, the, the very first podcast um, mm -hmm. we did. I think, I feel that one of the reasons that she, succeeded and she's been you know running her business for over 20 years now is because she does question things and she thinks I was going to say she thinks outside of the box but I don't think she even believes that a box exists you know she just doesn't <laughs> think that there is a box and so she does things that she wants to do without you know being shoehorned like I say into into the conditioning so yes this question everything that you mentioned that was um a big, a big, big part for me. I, I totally uh, resonate with with what you're saying, and and the the next thing that comes up for me with the questioning is how to deal with the conditioning, 
because everyone somehow is conditioned to an extent and then is it our job as adults to undo that conditioning and discover things in a new way the thing is how do we do that exactly and and how can we and in this case i mean you and me help others learn to do that because i find it hard mm. i find it really hard once you start it it becomes easier but then you hit some huge blockage something that is particularly important to you and then i i find it's it's a, a difficult process of uncovering all, all these conditionings definitely being curious about it makes it easier how how is it for you how do you do the uncovering well I mean, yeah, to go back to your, to your other question, is it, is it our job to do this as adults to, to uncover? Definitely. Yes, I, I think, you know, to unlearn what we've been taught, and I'm using air quotes here when I say taught in school, it is our job to realise that that is not education, as Mike said, mm -hmm. and to educate ourselves, to, <laughs> to unlearn the, the things which have been which we've been conditioned to believe going, you know, through not only school, but through our upbringing as well, to unlearn all of that and to uncover what is really going on, to pull back the curtain and see what, the, what, is, what is really going on in the world. So, yes, it's definitely our job. If it's not our job, then whose is it? You know, and each and every one of us, we, we, we are responsible for doing that. And then to answer your, your second question about, you know, how do we, you and I, help other people to do that you know I, I think just putting these podcasts out interviewing people who have done it um, so we've done it as well as you know we you and I have both done audacious things in our lives which is why yeah. we felt that we were you know the the, the ideal people to um, to get this podcast out and to interview other people who have done audacious things to provide as we said in the introduction to this pod, to this episode to provide role models and just to show that regular people like you and me can step outside the box can question things and can say no this is not the life that I want to lead this is this is this is not destined for me this is the life I want to lead so I think that's how that's how I do it um, and that's how we can show other people how to do it sure and also using the examples of the people that we interview using them as, as role models is what i mean to to show other people this is one option this is one way of doing it and you can find your way yes which is i think the most important part uh, that that there is just not one way that each one of us can find the way that they can uncover and just get rid of all these baggage lately to me it just feels it's so heavy I don't want it anymore I just want to open that luggage and 
throw everything into the Mediterranean Sea or <laughs> some other sea, but just get rid of it. I don't need it. Hmm. It's easier said than done. It certainly is. Yeah. And and this is actually bringing up something else that, that, that might talked about that he provided scientific evidence of something that our podcast guests have been saying for some time and that's all about let's call it taking care of yourself so removing the baggage cutting the chains is mm. one way that you can take care of yourself other people have talked about um, you know get plenty of exercise and eat the right food and personal nourishment somebody said as well make sure you've got a lot of me time. And what Mike said in this interview, which was new for me, was like I say, adding the scientific evidence to what people have been saying in terms of what he was saying about the acid alkaline balance, mm -hmm. that he said that if your body's more acidic, then you tend to have negative thoughts. And he, he said a figure. I'm not remember. <laughs> of course he said a figure. Because I don't know what it was. <laughs> But he said, you know, it's been scientifically proving that proven that if you if your body goes more to the acidic side of it, which means if you're drinking too much coffee or sports drinks or, or vinegar, he mentioned these different things, then you will automatically think negative thoughts. So in order to be audacious, <laughs> you need to make your body more alkaline. So reduce your intake of coffee and, and those, you know, acidic foods and drink more water so there you go drink more water and you'll be more audacious <laughs> simple solution and yes. pure water as well it has to be pure water that you've that you've praised beforehand and played beethoven to <laughs> <laughs> oh that's getting complicated <laughs> <laughs> yeah what what else was particularly struck you or important in yeah, the conversation. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say a, a couple more things. I've made I've made a few notes, and there's there's two more things that I want to mention. Mention one of them is reframing words like failure, and he, mm. you know he gave the example of Edison and the light bulb. Reframe failure and 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 as as feedback. You know, um, you haven't failed. You've just found ways in which it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, so that's all it is. So, you know, you could, if you wish, if, if failure has such a negative connotation for you, just remove that word from your vocabulary um, mm. and just substitute it with feedback. You know, just say I, I tried something and I got some feedback. I tried it another way and I got some more feedback. Um, so I thought that was a really good way of just reframing it. Yeah. Um, and the last thing that I want to mention was Mike's theory of default theory where he yeah. talked about you know if you don't have a health plan you're planning to be sick if you don't have a wealth plan you're planning to be poor if you don't have a relationship plan you're planning to have bad relationships with people and the goal setting as well if you don't have a goal setting plan then you're planning not to achieve anything in your life and I just thought I, I don't think I'd thought about it in that way before and that just made it a lot more clearer you know if you want to have a fulfilling life you need to set down your plans as to how you want to achieve that because by default according to Mike's default theory the opposite will happen unless you plan for it and unless you are failing to plan is planning to fail 
You could quote you very well. <laughs> I was just hanging on his every word. I thought that guy was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> If you would have been able, this is to our listeners, to see Helen during that conversation, <laughs> that woman was writing all the time. I didn't say anything in the first half hour because I was just enthralled by, by Mike and his knowledge. Yes, it is indeed uh, a vast uh, knowledge And I'm very grateful that he shared it with us and, and with our listeners. It's a great gift. Indeed. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of our podcast, Audaciousness. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and got so much knowledge uh, from Mike. Mike, thanks so much for sharing. You know, Mike, I was going to say everything that you know but i can only imagine that you would said say back to me i didn't share everything that i know so i'll rephrase that a huge thanks to mike for sharing some of his knowledge because it definitely increased a lot of mine If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like. And if you think someone else would benefit from listening to this conversation, please pass it on to them and share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues. And if you know of any other audacious people, including yourself, please get in touch as we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in two weeks with another audacious guest and another audacious episode. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.